Welcome. Shabbat Shalom. I am Rabbi Moshe Schwab, and I'm glad you can be here with us today. Uh, this is our Torah teaching, and also we'll uh, have our accompanying teaching as part of this today. The Torah portion for this week is Beshalach, Exodus 13:17 through 17:16, and Beshalach means when he let go. This portion begins with God leading Israel to the Suf Sea, which we now know is the Gulf of Aqaba. Uh, instead of so, he led them uh, that direction instead of through the land of the Pelishtim. Also, Israel picks up Joseph's bones from Sukkoth on the way. Uh, God hardens Pharaoh's heart while they are on their way, and Pharaoh then chases after Israel with more than 600 chariots and men. But Moshe says that God will fight for them. God tells Moshe to lift up his rod over the sea. The sea parts, and the pillar of cloud, pillar of cloud that led them is now behind them, protecting them from the Egyptian army. Israel went through the sea on dry ground between walls of water, the Bible says. The Egyptians tried to follow them through the sea the next day, but Moshe held his rod over the sea and it covered the Egyptians. Then the people sang a song of victory to the Lord. In the song they exalted God and praised God for saving them. Also, Miriam, the prophet and sister of Aharon, sang a song, and the, and the women joined her with tambourines and dancing. There are a number of videos now that show the route that Israel took to the Sea of Aqaba to the real Mount Sinai in Midian uh, of Arabia. You can, uh, how I found it, uh, and I found a good, a good video to, to watch, is, is to... Uh, go to YouTube and put in Red Sea Crossing and Ron Wyatt. And that's Wyatt, W-Y-A-T-T. Uh, God provided for Israel miraculously. <clears throat> now on the other side of the sea, the people grumbled and the Lord provided water for them at Marah. Then they came to Elim, which had 12 springs and 70 palms. Uh, the number 12 causes us to think of the 12 tribes of Israel and 70, the nations of the world. Then as they proceeded in the desert, the people grumbled again, and God provided man, uh, manna and quail for them to eat. When the Israelites saw the manna, they said, Man who? Which means, what is it? The manna was like uh, coriander seed, and it tasted like honey cakes, according to Deuteronomy 16.31. Sounds pretty good. They gathered only enough manna for every day, except the sixth day they gathered two days of manna. The people rested on Shabbat. They, they put away some manna to be kept through, through the ages, and they ate manna for 40 years. While camped at Rephidim, the people grumbled about having no water. So Moshe struck a rock and water came out from it. And uh, you can see a video of that rock. It's, it's amazingly huge rock. And it shows uh, the, that water came out from it. Um, Amalek's army came up against Israel and Israel prevailed while Moshe's arms were raised. Eher 
Aharon and Hur held up Moshe's arms and def Israel defeated Amalek, the Lord said he will blot out the memory of Amalek. Israel left Egypt by the power of God. God protect, protected them and provided for them. Now that they were on the other side of the sea, there was no turning back. It was an impassable barrier. In a sense, they died to their own lives when they passed through the sea. In the same way, uh, we are immersed with the Holy Spirit after we believe in Yeshua the Messiah and experience the powers of the age to come. To some extent, we receive the power of God through the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Yeshua said that. The receiving the Holy Spirit is the defining moment in our lives because there is no turning back from the truth that God is present in our lives. We experience the power of God. Rabbi Shul tells us in the New Testament portion that we are to die to our old selves, Romans 6.6, 6, and so leave our old lives behind, much like Israel had to die to their old way of life after they crossed to the other side of the Sea of Aqaba. The place where Israel crossed the Sea of Aqaba is very imposing to see. At the end of the, of the wadi that Israel took on their way to the sea, there is an enormous beach that could hold a couple million people. Solomon had marked the crossing points with two pillars, one on each side of the sea. Interesting, at least I found this very interesting, in one of the videos there are shells plastered onto the side of the, of the sea that Israel had fled to, as though a great wind had pushed them there. There, is, there are also video, there's also video of chariot parts on the bottom of the Sea of Aqaba where Israel crossed. The Haftarah or Beshalach is Judges 4.4-5.31. In this portion, Deborah, the prophet, tells Barak to take 10,000 men to fight against Sisra and his army. Because he asks uh, Deborah to go with, them, with him, Deborah says a woman will get the credit for Sisra's death. Israel de defeats Sisera's army, and, and a woman kills Sisera. Then they sang a song extolling those who volunteered, praising God, and praising the woman who killed Sisera. Just as God defeated the Egyptians at the Gulf of Aqaba, God continues to help Israel to defeat its enemies after they enter Canaan. Also, we should consider that although we seem to be at risk in the present, God is at work on our behalf. In the end, God will be victorious, even though the people of this world can be so against the things of God. Judges 4.23 says, Thus God on the day defeated Yavin, the king of Canaan, in the presence of the people of Israel. And so too, we'll see God's victoria presence someday. God is for his people and helps his people both in the Old Testament portion and in our present era. God is the same today as he was years ago, a caring and good God. Some two million people left Egypt in faith, and God provided for, for them. What an amazing act of faith for so many people. Those who trust in God will be blessed.
Psalm 84.12 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in you. Now I'd like to um, uh, teach the accompanying teaching for Beshalach, uh, entitled, A Better Way to Live. The result of the fall of Eden has caused mankind to have more reliance on itself, on themselves. Even little things can sometimes be difficult. We often have a personal or philosophical view of work, or that is work ethic. I had a simple work, work, work ethic when I was young. Work hard. Do a good job. Listen and do what I'm told to do. Be respectful of others and be honest. It seemed to work because it took me two days to get promoted at this one job I had. In other places, at least I kept my job and I can be proud of my work whether I was sweeping the floor or designing circuit boards and writing firmware, that is computer code. That's the code that controls microprocessors. My work ethic didn't come from a desire to be successful or get ahead, but from the Bible. It says we are to do all in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah. I took that literally and tried my best to do a good job. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, the Lord Yeshua, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It's good to give our employers an honest day's work. I remember this one person I work, worked with. When I began working with, uh, with him, the bosses told me he works fast and gets his job done and he does great work. Those in, in charge probably wished they had, had everybody was like him. I learned a lot of good things from watching him work. People have different reasons for the work they do, though. How are people's worldly attitudes different from a believer's attitude towards work? They may be expecting something in return, and when that doesn't happen, they may become lazy or ungrateful for their job. Instead, we should view work as an opportunity to serve and create value for what we have accomplished. Some don't have a good work ethic. They may be slow or, or may not do a good job. Instead, work is an opportunity to represent ourselves and how God is using us. Some people's work ethic is entirely shelfish. Instead, a believer cares about their work no matter what. He values what he gives to others, even, even in the little things, and realizes it reflects on what kind of person they are and what God wants them to be. Some people don't understand that they are representing themselves and God by how they work. Some don't understand that their bad behaviors could cause harm to the people who rely on their employer, on their employer to stay solvent and provide for themselves and their families. Being a good worker brings blessing, just like being a godly person brings blessing. It is always better to stay God-focused than kingdom-focused. We are not to live in this world like the worldly do. The above is a good example of godly focus be, uh, versus being worldly-focused. The person who acts out at work can have a negative impact on the work environment, cause, cause people pain, and be a test to others instead of a help to others. 
Wouldn't it be great if we all had great attitudes? We are to be good to others. Leviticus 19.18 says, You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you are to love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. We recently talked about some scriptures in Philippians. I'd like to talk about them some more. Uh, Shaul says in Philippians 4, 8, and 9, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Have a good attitude. Think and do what is right. These things are important if you want to have peace in your life. Shul talks about truth, being noble and just, and being pure. Don't we all want to know the truth? God's word is truth, and we can trust God. He's the creator and knows what's best for us. What about our words? Are we an honest person? A dishonest person can cause pain and distrust. Whereas an honest person brings peace and trust. What about a, a person who is noble? That is a person who does what is good. Those people are, are, they are refreshing and make our hearts light. Being just and fair communicates goodness and is one of the foundations of a good society. Being pure communicates a desire to do what is right. Don't you want to be treated right and have good relationships because people do what is right? Surely those who have good virtues are a blessing to others in society. In the first century, synagogues were called schools of virtue because they taught uh, right and good values. They taught about how to love others and God. Virtues are a good thing because they help us to be considerate and caring. Shul also taught virtues, as we could see. Shul commands us to love others, just as the Torah says we are to love others in Leviticus 19.18. Yeshua also taught us to love others. Shul called, uh, called his synagogue in Ephesus the school of Tyrannus, perhaps meaning terrible power, terrible as in powerful. Shul teaches virtues in all his letters and also about the power of the Holy Spirit. Why play with life and take chances spiritually? Why do that and live like that? A godly life has so much to offer. Viewing life as God's kingdom people results in peace and so much more. A good life and a godly attitude offers so much to us and others. Yaakov said in James 4.10, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. When we do what is right, we take the things of God seriously. Life will go a whole lot better, and God will also work on our behalf supernaturally. How God does that is up to him. The Bible says that God won't forget the good we do. Hebrews 6.10 says, For God is not unjust just to forget your work and labor of love. It's a win-win for us. Doing things God's way, God's way is the best way to live, and God will not forget that. 
So God will also work for, on our behalf supernaturally. Also, we are to love God with all our heart. You shall, it's, it says in Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in the house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. God cares about us enough to reach out to us and give us a good way to live. Why not take that seriously? God brings a steady flow of peace and blessing into our lives. God keeps everything going, even though mankind, mankind seems to tax the earth's existence by selfishness, violence, and a lack of, lack of compassion and virtue. I recommend, recommend understanding good attitudes and virtues better. Possibly read a book on virtues. Bring good into your life. Don't allow darkness to rule your life. Instead, allow God and His goodness to rule in your life. Shul said in Colossians 3, 12-17, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as his Messiah forgave you, so you all must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you were also called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of the Messiah dwell, dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Yeshua, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It says to be holy, be tender, be kind, be humble, be meek, be patient, bear with each other, forgive each other, let go of complaints, love others with a pure heart, and have a generous attitude towards others. Doesn't that sound great? Let the peace of God rule in you. Put on peace and be peaceful. Do all in the name of the Messiah Yeshua and be a person of thanks for all God has given us. We are to do it, so do it. These are good things. God's ways are good. Don't we all want what is good? Just with as Israel was changed as they went through the sea, we need to be a changed people with the help of the Torah, the Scriptures, and the Holy Spirit that we receive through the Messiah Yeshua. Israel left Egypt behind, and we should leave our old natures behind and put on good and godly ways. The Israelites ate food and drink given them by God. In the same way, but in a spiritual sense, Yehovah gives us spiritual food to live by so that we can live a kingdom life. A life that is different than the worldly point of view, a much better way to live. So I'd like to uh, finish now by uh, saying the ironic benediction and blessing. Uh, Numbers 627 says we're to actually put God's name on his people. And if we're not using God's name, Hashem means the name. It's not God's name. Exodus 
3, uh, 315 says that Yehovah will be his name forever. And we know that's the pronunciation now. It's been found, in, uh, the pointing has been found in over 2,363 manuscripts. So we should use God's name. Especially, you know, at, in prayers and, and at times, it is definitely appropriate. Okay, so let's pray. Shalom. Yahweh bless you and keep you. Yahweh make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Yahweh lift his counts upon you and give you peace. Amen. Let us, let us hear the things of God. Let us hear God. Shema Yisrael. Let us hear God and know him. And resist evil and do what is good. Thank you and God bless you. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Tov. Have a good week.